You're listening to the Entrepreneur's Agony Aunt podcast. Keeping it real, telling the story like it is, because there are no mistakes that somebody else hasn't already made. Hello, I'm Vicky Brock, and you're listening to the Entrepreneur Agony Aunt podcast. My guest this week is Leah Hutchin, friend, inspiration, and founder, CEO of Appointed, an online booking and scheduling software for businesses of any size. Appointed launched the world's first truly seamless multi-time zone booking system. So no surprise then that this Edinburgh-based company won International Growth Business of the Year in 2016, and that Leah was recently named UK Small Business Entrepreneur of the Year. So welcome, Leah. Hi. (laughs) So I don't mean this in a particularly braggy way, but between you and I, we must be the most award-strewn pair of entrepreneurs to grace the agony on the sofa yet. And we had our own TV series, of course, as well, which is really slightly weird. Yes. Do you feel better after that very grand introduction? Well, the pressure is on. Um, (laughs) I hopefully have something worthy to say. Oh, I think the pressure of the awards thing is quite ridiculous. It's partly why I did this podcast, because I hate being that person that everybody else feels a failure measured up against when you know day in, day out how badly you're screwing up. (laughs) So uh, one of the things I do try to do with this podcast is have open and honest conversations with the people that some of the listeners might be seeing all the time appearing to be getting it right because I think we learn more from our mistakes so I'm gonna keep it to one question this week because it's quite a big question so here we go when I started my company I was very inexperienced and I surrounded myself with lots of advisors Much of that advice turned out to be questionable, to say the least, and these days I have very little time for it, preferring to trust my gut. My chairman recently accused me of being unwilling to listen, and while I don't think that I've gone too far the other way, I would really appreciate any tips on separating the good advice from bad, and also how to better handle input from my board and investors that I think is plain wrong. See, I I promise I didn't write it. I promise I didn't write it. (laughs) But before we dive in, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your journey so far as CEO, entrepreneur, and general inspiration. Well, yeah, that one doesn't big me up too much and make me feel totally (laughs) imposter syndrome ridden. Yes, so I founded Appointed back in 2011, which is a million years ago now. I think, Um, yeah, I was thinking 200, but a million is probably more accurate. It feels, well, both a million and two minutes ago as well at the same time. And I think that's the really weird thing, isn't it? The time becomes elastic and in some ways you're really proud of everything you've done in that time and in other ways you're like geez how the hell has that been six years like I should have done more seven years now you know how have I not taken over the world and how have we not done this and insert you know so yeah so 2011 and since then we've built a team we've launched our product we um, have some fantastic customers that we're really proud to be working with um, and proud to be adding value to to their lives We enable businesses of any size, so it's right from solo photographers or small hair salons right up to global enterprise clients. And we enable them to take bookings from their website, their Facebook page, their intranet, really any online presence. And we have some really smart cross-time zone technology that allows us to really stand out to the global enterprise. So yeah, it's been an amazing, amazing journey. We're learning lots every day and realising that we should have done things differently or if we'd have done this but 
But yeah, I think the question is, is a really, really good one. I think it is so hard. You don't know who to trust, who to listen to, who knows who knows best in these situations and I think especially at the early days it's brutal isn't it I mean we were in entrepreneurial spark together at the same time we were and that was fantastic I think the biggest thing I got out of eSpark was being surrounded by other entrepreneurs that I think those are the people so if I was to give a really short answer it's like listen to the other people doing exactly the same as you are because they're the ones who will be totally honest with you will their wisdom is hard won because it'll generally come out of them having either made a mistake or gotten something right and it being a lucky fluke or whatever so but yeah I think that was my first reaction to the first part of that question was that I mean I heard you a few weeks back giving evidence in parliament you were in the session before <laughs> me I heard you talking about you know you'd had advice from formal business advisors in the early days that was damaging actually because it if you'd listened to it it would have capped your ambition it would have made you believe that the very core of your business the amazing USP that you have the reason that you're nailing it is because you've got this multi-time zone global perspective and you're scheduling meetings all over the world and that's incredible but you were getting advice at the very beginning which almost told you to stop being such a silly ambitious girl and, and focus on nailing in East Edinburgh first or yeah. something you know, totally. before oh, you go so global much. and I think the worry is exactly as you say that advice can sometimes come from agencies who are there and who at the early stages you absolutely trust because you believe that they're set up by people who have been there and done it and and so of course you're going to to trust them because they're the ones who know what they're doing right but obviously you then find out, or it's not even about finding out, I think it's the benefit of hindsight. So you look back, you know, when I was answering that question in in Parliament and talking about it, that's the scary thing to me is now knowing what I know and knowing that you don't know very little at all, of course, you know, you get here, but you look back and you think the amount of times that the business could have gone under had I have listened. So we were told to focus very locally in Edinburgh, I was told by one person if we were going to have, and and this is when the business model was very different, but the the plan in the early days had been to have a a booking site where people could land and they could browse and book different, and it was salons, so it was very vertical-based, and browse and book different salons. And I was told, well, there's no point in doing that unless you're also going to sell hair products, so you must sell shampoos, and maybe you could come up with your own range of shampoos. And I think now... How would you ever tell somebody yeah. who's building software to yeah. also make shampoo? <laughs> yes, like the loopiest thing in the world. But somehow that was seen to be the right advice for me. And that's the interesting thing is that once you talk, I mean, there's just this distinction between the generic advisor who's learned this stuff from a book and who maybe has one narrow piece of experience perhaps they've worked in a corp you know they have certain skills I'm not to denigrate the skills of advisors but I think when you're starting up at each point of your business challenges and your business's growth I mean there's different phases where you need advice but the best advice I have ever had has come from people that have been there and done it and who are a few steps ahead of me the best thing I feel in some ways that agencies or advisors or facilitators could do for you is have these people on speed dial and go, you know what, actually, I know somebody four years ahead of you who did exactly this thing, I'll connect you. Now, that would be priceless. That, of course, doesn't come with a day rate. 
or you know, <laughs> is not the way that an advisor would, yeah. would make a living being a professional advisor. And of course, you know, those entrepreneurs, nor are they trying to make their money that way. Yeah. The best advice I got of this type was, you know, from somebody and she was just like four or five years ahead and she just after one hour on a Skype with me, she, she mapped out exactly where my business was, exactly where it was going wrong. You know, you need to start thinking about defensive moats. You need to start becoming more of a software as a service because you're actually still difficult to set up. She just nailed it. And yeah. she worked with me over a period of months. like, And it was just brilliant. Whereas, I mean, nobody told me to go build shampoo. <laughs> That's probably because at the time I started up my last company, I don't think I owned a hairbrush. <laughs> I think actually it's purely down to my chair in my last business who's very glamorous that I ever invested in a hairbrush. (laughs) So nobody was going to tell me to go into beauty products, but it's bonkers. But I can see why if you've learned all this stuff and you have this very reductive view of what business is ever going to be able to achieve. I mean, you and I came through an incubator. We both talk about world domination. Yeah. I said it last night, go big or get fired. And she hadn't planned to get fired and planned to go big. But nevertheless, you know, the ambition was noble. You one. executed. I executed on my plan. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's completely true. I am not a failure. I totally delivered exactly. on the plan. Good. <laughs> but I, I suppose it perhaps at the time we were setting up was quite unusual for some of the old school advisors to have people like us wander in or be pointed at their office and go, right, yeah, I'm going to build this global technology software business. And I think that's fine. And I think you're totally, totally right that startups, and especially in 2011, where it it was more nascent, certainly in Scotland, wasn't it? And there was more traditional advice around. There wasn't so much of the software, global startups, that side of things. But... I think there's, and I think this is one of the things and probably is a nuance in, in the question here. There's well-meaning advice that's just a little bit maybe outdated or maybe somebody's kind of reaching a bit too far for, for the advice that they should be giving. And then there's actually really damaging advice that hasn't particularly been thought of. And I think the two are very different, yeah. aren't they? And, and the majority of it is well-meaning. So that's all good. But it's quite, I think, a responsibility on the entrepreneur to navigate all of that and that's really really hard do you think you're right with what you say about other startups I um, was lucky enough to be at dinner that was arranged by EIE and Nigel Eccles and Leslie Eccles were mm-hmm. there and I was chatting to Leslie founders of Fandual sorry yes yeah. um, Fandual founders and I was chatting to Leslie who's been really supportive of me and have appointed in the past and so she brought Nigel over and, and I was really excited about a partnership deal that we were in the closing stages of and Nigel just turned around and went won't do anything and Leslie was like Nigel don't say that and he was like no I just don't think it will and I was like do you know what this is really helpful I was like you might be right we're knee deep in it and we're going to do it because it's super exciting and and actually he was right yeah. you know a year down the line we still hadn't managed to pull anything off on it and and that instinct has come hard won from him navigating with Fangio what partnerships and and what that looks like and so he had that gut instinct and most advisors haven't won that gut instinct because most people who have aren't then advising and yeah it's wonderful when people are I mean I think we are lucky in Scotland that there's a really good network of those becoming there's a blossoming sort of ecosystem, I think. Yeah, and I think in a way that is like, you know, people always talk about Silicon Valley, but it's the same effect. It's when you've got a cluster 
of people who are only a few degrees of separation yeah. away from not just the rock stars, but the people the walking cautionary tales. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, people people just at different phases who've yeah. gone through different phases of growth. I think when you're in an ecosystem that you can reach to those people yeah. indirectly. I mean, I was approached by somebody who I don't know, who knows somebody that I know, to talk to an entrepreneur in distress. And from the entrepreneur being in distress to me being on the phone with him, even though I didn't know him, took about five hours. Yeah. Because it was somebody called somebody, saw somebody called me. And that is is what you get from those ecosystems. Totally. And And how valuable is that? I mean, that's amazing. Like, the amount of impact that you will have made on that person and... I think what is lovely as well that you see in the ecosystem is somebody benefits from that and they will then go out of their way to give it to somebody else. Absolutely. Indirect reciprocity is hugely important. And I think the person asking the question, he or she said, I've got very little time for this advice anymore. I tend to trust my gut. And I think trusting your gut is experience and that's correct until your path becomes uncharted. And I found that, yes, you, you start to nail a phase like I've got this whole startup phase nailed or I've got this raising seed money nailed and it's then when you move up a gear to the next phase that the path becomes blank again and that that sort of I think that's where I made mistakes and perhaps should have taken more advice although it be relevant advice and that's the hard thing isn't it when that kind of gear shift happens you need a whole new set of advisors you don't have the gut instinct because you've not done that bit before. You, yeah, you don't necessarily know who to turn to, or and and that's really hard, isn't it? And that's when mistakes happen. And I think a lot of the time, I remember you shared a blog post with me years ago. I mean, this will be five years ago, probably now, about recognizing the different stages that you're at emotionally in your business. Oh yeah. And I think those change points are yeah. also emotional change points. So you're kind of at your your most vulnerable, aren't you? And you've got to restart this whole. Yeah. Who do you look to for advice? Yeah. What do you? What does your gut say? Well, does your gut know anything? And yeah, you're at your most vulnerable when you're at your highest and your lowest. I think. Yeah. Because I think the high is a danger point too. Because mm-hmm. the high is that, I don't know, when you felt that, the high is when you've kind of come off the back, usually of raising money or closing a deal or something, and you almost just have to throw yourself at executing. And it's that's the danger that you just hurl yourself uninformed down the wrong path. Yeah. And the other place is like when you're at the bottom of that trough and you almost, I don't know, I say you, I certainly felt this almost paralyzed by conflicting advice everybody telling me what I should do when actually what I really needed was somebody to do it for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah or at least come help me at least roll up their sleeves with me and get stuck into something anything and I think that there is a risk your businesses get the wrong shaped Especially when you're underfunded, your businesses get the wrong shape. Well, I think it's really easy. You hit the nail on the head there that you need somebody to come in and get involved in what, you know, action. There is a magic in action, isn't there? People can talk to you and advise you, but if it constantly comes down to there's only you to execute it, there's only so much you can do. And the more advice you get, quite often, it doesn't even have to be conflicting, can it? It just becomes multifaceted and then you get to the point where you 
definitely can't execute it because it stopped being one simple thing you need to do and it's list of 12 things and it's so easy to get paralyzed in that point and and that's I guess when advice becomes actually really dangerous and mm. you're better off just not doing anything you're better off not having any advice yeah. and and just cracking on and, and doing something and I think um, the graph I'm talking about I'll stick it in a link when I release this episode I think it comes from Ben Horowitz hard thing about hard things which is one of my absolute favorite books yeah. you haven't read that book read that book it's it's all about you know how it's okay to screw up constantly as CEO because everybody else is and the <laughs> and the benchmark is much lower yeah. than you think it is yeah um, so it's really quite comforting in that respect I think it talks about what actions you should or shouldn't take when you're at these peaks and troughs and I found you know when I was at my lowest or most stressed out and most data coming in at me it's almost all you can do is something really tiny and binary even if it's I am going to go to Greg's and get sausage rolls or I am going to do this one unimportant thing and when I've done it I'm gonna go yeah I've actually done something because it becomes like this maelstrom of maelstrom of input and you're like this little blockage. <laughs> Liz currently nodding at me and looking like she's in a maelstrom. Like, yes. That's why I'm talking so much in this episode. Sorry, I am doing a lot okay. of nodding. <laughs> but it's so true. It's so true. And that, I remember Jim Duffy used to say, you're in the grip. And it's like, yeah, that is it. You are absolutely in the grip of it. How you get out of that, you know it's absolutely your responsibility to get yourself out of it. And like you say, if that's going to Greg's, then it's going to Greg's. Or if it's going and filing something, you know, just yeah. doing something that allows you to get through it and feel good about yourself and feel like you've done something. Go and, like, change your signing permissions in the bank or you know, <laughs> yeah. something that somebody else has to do all of the hard work for you and you get to feel you've taken something off your list. Yeah. I don't know. Even, like, writing a very short list so yeah, just so you totally. can cross things off it. Yeah. I'm really bad and at there's that. been moments when, like, I have literally, the first thing on my list has been write a list, and I'm like, yes! I've done it! I've done it! I'm ruling this whole yeah, CEO yeah. thing! Whatever works. Like, and yeah. that, I think that is what you have to realise as well, isn't it? It's literally, it is about getting to the next stage, however you get there. And if yeah. you can get there with some positive action, then all the better. You know, it doesn't need to be taking on the world. It doesn't need to be going global or whatever. It's about putting one foot in front of another, keeping waking up every day and having the balls to go back out and do it. And yeah. yeah, and to take advice and be brave enough to follow that advice, but also to be brave enough to say, no, that isn't for me. And that's the interesting thing, because the second part of that question which is actually how to better handle input from my board and investors that I think is wrong. I don't know if I'm the best person to advise on that. (laughs) My response to that wasn't immediately end up getting resigned. My response to that for a longest time was to try to work on that, try to listen, try to adapt. But there came a point where, as you say, I had to say no. Now, my feeling for this just depends on the structure of your board the relationships with those board, less about how much of the share cap you still own and more about the voting rights of the board of whether this is going to succeed or not and how much say your investors do or yeah. don't have on that board. Yeah. And I've talked before how my biggest mistake was losing control of the structure. Yeah. So that meant once I got to the point where we were on fundamentally different paths, the only way I could say no 
was to resign. But I still think that's the right thing to do. If you fundamentally can't support that input and go, I, we cannot agree with each other, then you're down to the legal structure that you're, yeah. you're, that's been baked in. Most people don't wind up in that position, I hope. No. I mean, there must be other ways of either gracefully rejecting advice or gracefully hearing it yeah. and going, yes, and... Um, <laughs> Changing the subject. Uh, Is there anything that's working for you? I I think we're super lucky. I've got a fantastic board, and we generally have the same approach to things. Where, and that can be bad as well because we do challenge each other, and there's definitely rigorous challenge there, and there's definitely difference of opinion at times. But by and large, on the big things for the business, we're aligned. I think there's a lot of things through my board experience so far. There's a lot of things outside of that board and intrinsic in the business that if they're going right, the board stuff can go right, and if they're not, they wouldn't. So we've had a great run the last year where we found a real product market fit in a market that is a market where people want to spend money. So we're, we're starting to get that really nice we're getting some inbound from big enterprise clients. We're getting marketing campaigns that we're doing are really landing a punch. And so we're just too bloody busy to... And the you know, needle's moving in the exactly. right direction yeah. on the metrics that it's supposed to be. Totally. And so probably in some ways the scrutiny's yeah. off you well, on a minute-to-minute basis. Exactly. The scrutiny is there and the rigour is there, but it's on very positive things because we're building big contracts or we're putting together pitches for big deals or you know so the board are very busy and very involved in the business but in a positive way and I think if we were in a place where that was difficult and where if we were in a place where things weren't going well who knows how how we would be because I have put a lot of trust in my board and I think when when you sit and look at the the legal structure that you're in you are often in a vulnerable position aren't you and I think Mm. not enough is done around the education of that in an early stage so that you're protecting early there'll be healthy debates we've got very different backgrounds as a board I think one of the things that I'm really lucky with our chairman Kenny Fraser came on board very early in the startup journey so he got involved before we did our first fundraising round he was really interested in in getting involved and championed me and and helped me through that process so he's been in since the very early Mm -hmm. days and and we've grown the company together as a board and there was just the two of us for for an awful long time on the board so it's very operational it's very hands-on there's a nuance there of of just understanding Kenny knows all of the team really well he he's part of the team it's not the board isn't separate to the company and I think that is then so helpful in in being able to have those disagreements and and to know that well, actually, there's a lot of, of history there. There's a lot of kind of small people. Our other board director, Paul Reed, was our interim CEO whilst I was on maternity leave last year. So, again, very operational yeah. in the business, understands the challenges in the business, understands the opportunities in the business. And, and so just we are a working board. We're not, it's not something that I go and report to mm-hmm. or look to for permission. It's 
they know what's going on the day in day out I can pick up the phone to them and be like so this has happened and the world has fallen to pieces or you know mm. amazing this has happened and we got that signed and and they just know that so I think probably if I had any advice out of that is choose wisely and then involve them as much as you can operationally in the business so that it's not about asking for permission mm-hmm. and, and as far as possible or asking for advice from an external standpoint as far as possible you're just in the trenches together and they're just part of the team um because then it's not advice it's you just working it out together and that actually is really good advice because I think that if you're in the position where you're going to for permission or your board is like really far away from the day-to-day then that's when you get that gulf of yeah they don't know what they're talking about therefore I'm not going to listen yeah like why should I listen because they haven't got anything valuable to say except these people that control the strategic direction of the company so if you as the CEO or founder don't think your board has got anything valuable to say you may have the wrong board which is a big problem yeah or you know you may need to be doing a heck of a lot more work as a group to get much yeah. much much more engaged involved yeah. and informed about the detail of the business not just the strategic direction but the whole operational yeah. way that it's working that that's really really interesting we both grew our businesses i would say from an underfunded position Yeah, but let's talk about the challenges of growing a team, especially a skilled management team around you. I mean, you have the challenge of being on maternity leave and bringing in an interim CEO. I mean, I can't imagine how difficult that is. (laughs) As you've gone through this whole process, has there been a process that you have developed to hire, to get the right rate, made any mistakes in the way? Yeah, I mean, absolutely, we've made mistakes. And again, this is like I've learned from my board. So Kenny has a saying, if it's a maybe, it's a no. And it's like that has been such a good thing for me to have as our due north when made mistakes. And, and when we have made mistakes, he's kind of laughed at me and been like, oh, no, that's not as bad as the mistake I made back when I hired this person or, you know, one of my colleagues made. So, you know, knowing that pe- you're going to make mistakes, people can wow you and then not deliver or whatever. So that that's fine be picky and if yeah if it's a maybe it's a no Um, reaching out to our network has been the biggest thing so we've hired a lot through either recommendations if somebody's worked with somebody before um we hired greg our one of our senior developers came um to us because he was the cousin of an intern who we loved and she was like my cousin's brilliant and came in and interviewed and he was just amazing so those strokes of luck that that you get um and you know that go on to, to transform a product a lot of it is is not helpful because how do you replicate that but well it's helpful in it's look beyond what's on your doorstep yeah and look beyond the recruiters or, yeah yeah don't feel oh I've put an advert on LinkedIn yeah. it hasn't brought me the right person but yeah I mean the network thing I think consistently has been the strongest and that as you say bringing in Paul as interim CEO it's not without its risks, is it? And it's it was... terrifying. Honestly, <laughs> you look so calm as you say that. Honestly, that must have been terrifying. It was and it wasn't. So it came out of, we hadn't planned on doing it. And then we had some really exciting commercial opportunities. I was only taking three months maternity leave. So we'd said, the team's wonderful. They're all over it. 
let's not worry about it. The, you know, active board, great team. I'm not disappearing off the face of the earth. I'm going to have a baby. Yeah, I'll be it's in. not it's like grand. you're kind of yeah. in a coma or anything. Exactly. So we've decided that. And then just things really hotted up commercially. And it was like, actually, we don't want to... We don't want anything to slow down here and we're already a team working at full capacity plus. So actually it there needs to be somebody in, in this role. And so we'd started talking to invest you know, our investors, the board and just exploring um and paul reed works closely with one of our um investors who's been very helpful and generous with his time and, and advice to me. So he'd come kind of recommended. Paul, on the flip side, had been really excited to hear about the opportunity at a point he'd um, built and exited his own startup and, and was ready to kind of jump in and get operational yeah. in, in something and thought that the, the opportunity at a point was, was exciting. So we met and like literally he's one of the nicest people in the world. So straight away it was so easy. And I said that to him, I was like, oh yeah, so everybody says you're like so lovely. And, and he was very self-effacing and he was like, yes, I pay everyone a lot of money to say yeah. that. But it was just straight away, the yeah. energy was good. And there was a, a kind of, he'd been there and done it. So again, it comes back to trusting other yeah. entrepreneurs. It was like, you're not dangerous because you know it's the how hard this is. the biggest thing. Honestly, the more you say it, yeah. The more I realise it, probably all of my mistakes, the single biggest thing is, have they been there and done it? And yeah. how recently? Yeah. Because actually, if it yeah. was the 1980s and the 1990s, that's yeah. a long while ago yeah. now. Things have changed a lot since. And, and you've probably forgotten how hard it is because, you know, these things. But yeah, Paul was fresh out of it. He knew, he understood all of that. Just the way we talked about, about things, the questions he asked... I just knew straight away that, that it was the right fit and we didn't actually end up seeing anybody else. It was like, cool, if you're up for it, we're up for it. And, and so he joined the board and, and he was amazing and the team loved him. And, you know, we're hiring at the moment and one of the team said, well, if we, I mean, if we could have had Paul as our sales director, though, and I was like, I know, but we can't. He's got other stuff going on. <laughs> so, you know, he's left such a lasting impression. Yep. Um, and yeah, it was absolutely the right fit. So I guess that's an area of trusting your gut, of like reaching out to the yeah. network, going as wide as you can, but when you meet somebody and you know it feels good, just going for it. And the interesting thing is we're talking feeling, talking gut, and really that comes back to values, Yeah. who you are as people, yeah. what you care about, Absolutely. how you treat other people, respect, all of this kind of thing. Yeah. And I think where I've made the biggest mistakes, because you do, you can be like wowed and entranced by people, or you can do the maybes, you can go, well, you know what? I don't like them, but on paper, they check all the boxes and maybe I'm being biased here. You know, maybe yeah. maybe I'm the one who's not giving this person who ticks yeah. all the boxes and is clearly competent a fair try. All of my mistakes have been in that area. Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. And you, So if it's a maybe, it's a no. And yeah. that's it, isn't it? It's like every time you, I think back and, yeah, you're saying the same, it's those times where you've gone, shush, I'm probably being stupid it's everyone else thinks it's a good shout so it must be a good shout and I don't know whether it's an energy thing or what but it just never works when you think that yeah and because you you have to get psychically married well more yeah, than married totally. I mean I saw way more of my team than yeah. I did of my partner yeah absolutely um, so it's huge it's isn't it just a massive yeah. amount of time and energy and emotional if you're not 
synced on that same emotional yeah. roller coaster, or that other person can't recognize where you are on yeah. it, you're not going to deliver efficiently together. Totally. And that's it, isn't it? At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's about delivering on your plans, delivering on what life throws at the business and all of that. And if you haven't got a stable base to that, then you're not going to be able to deliver in the way that that you could have done. So actually, it is all about feelings and all of that, but it's also just really good business sense to, to do it. I think the interesting thing is when people are faking the sinking with you or they're faking the value, it doesn't take very long to see them in the team and how they treat other people. No. Particularly your most junior members of staff. Yes. And that's yeah. where it comes through. Absolutely. And it's like, you know, they might have invested a bit of effort into pulling the hood over yeah. you and you might have fallen for it. Yeah. Happens all the time. You know, people are get good at that over yeah. the course of their life. So it's not worth beating yourself up no. that you got fooled. But as soon as you see the evidence that other people are being treated without respect or without a compassion or against the values that you baked into the company, you have to act because yeah. it doesn't doesn't go away. No, and I think that's it, isn't it? That's something I've learned over time is you do have to act on on these things, and that's not always easy. It's sometimes. You're saying you need to act straight away. Sometimes you need to prepare to act oh, straight yeah. away and, and yeah. all of that. But you do have to have an eye to it, don't you? Because it doesn't go away. Once you get that little inkling, generally, I've yeah, I've never had a situation where you go, oh, I'm so glad I didn't do something yeah, like I'm that. Yeah, I'm so glad I ignored it. Because <laughs> like, yeah. it just magically all got better on its own. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Said no one ever. Actually, maybe that should be my next business. I should make a drug which just makes everything magically get better on its own. That would be wonderful. Yeah, that, that, I think that could be good. Um, so I'm very mindful of your time and I appreciate that you, you're squeezing me into your day. But before we wrap up, I wonder if there's, as you say, it's been about a million years and two minutes since you started in 2011, I started in 2012. And this whole, I know I've had the luxury somewhat enforced (laughs) of six months to process this (laughs) six months to think about what I would do differently six months to have the luxury of writing and thinking and blogging and podcasting about what I've learned and you have had no moments (laughs) to breathe ever in any way shape or form so it's a tough question but is there anything that you've learned now that you feel if you'd known at the beginning could have cut time or money off this whole process yeah absolutely I think you know everything we've talked about today are those hard-won kind of wisdom points and I think yeah if we knew them all when you know if they were just intrinsic and we knew them that would have been great I think the other side for us has been that product market fit piece where a I mean you've talked so eloquently about it before just how important it is and how much you have to nail it before any of the magic is going to happen and I think you can't just say so I would have gotten to product market fit quicker because that isn't the way it works is it but I think for us had we have looked to the larger enterprise side of of the market sooner and understood how our features could really stand out in that context that would have been a wonderful thing because actually it's felt like pushing a boulder up a hill and 
then it doesn't. And it's yeah. like, oh, now we're getting some And that's actually and... the market side of product market fit. That's yeah. the, are we targeting the right yeah. niche market segment? Absolutely. Actually, as our beachhead market, you know, are we yeah. going after the right yeah. user group? That's interesting. And it's hard, isn't it? So for us, it changed a lot even to get to, you know, being online booking, kind of B2B only, software as a service, all of those things that are absolutely baked into our model were very different to where the idea was in in the very first instance. So that in itself was a journey. And so then to take that to where your niche is, and I think it's so easy to kind of see Find your beachhead market as if it's yeah. like something you do step, really early at the step beginning. Four. And, I think in yeah. um, Bill Allen's 24 Steps of Disciplined Entrepreneurship, yes. which I am a disciplined entrepreneur and follow, I think it's about step it's four. Really early, it's really early. Really early. And, and it's I, like that isn't... And, and it would be amazing. So yes, it would be wonderful, but almost... So yeah, I would have it happen at step four, but I'm definitely not beating myself yeah. up that it hasn't happened at, at that point. But how wonderful if you can get to that and, yeah. and get to that through more mindful study of your business and, and of the market I, I am of the opinion that a lot of the time you have to go through a lot to get to that you know it, it isn't just as easy as as deciding something is going to be you know you have to be yeah. in it and you have to be knee deep and know your product and and be speaking to people and it it doesn't you don't get to speak to global enterprises without having a product that really can stand up oh definitely point, not you, you can't know. go out with your powerpoint deck and you kind of no. lean mvp no. um and, and take that to totally. a big multi-site enterprise and i learned recently a lovely definition of startup which is steve blank's definition which is a startup is a temporary organization in search of a replicable business model and i think we almost in our rush to get past being a startup and a grown-up company and a grown-up CEO (laughs) as well. I mean, I know, like, I fell from this one. I've got to get past this. You start worrying about all of these problems of process and scale and HR and investment and all of these further along problems, and it's really easy to forget you're still a temporary organisation in search for a replicable business model because you haven't nailed it yet. And I think the challenges of that is you become reliant on outside forces to keep you alive whilst you find that out but I think Scotland's getting much better at doing that and I think again we have more entrepreneurs investing in businesses who understand that of I need to put some money in and I need to give them as much wisdom as I can but mainly space to you know space and energy to go and find that out themselves because nobody knows the product and the market as much as you do and yeah, yeah there is there's a process to it and it yeah. just has to be done it, it can't be shortcutted in a lot of in absolutely ways. and if you are investing in those companies as an angel if you're on the board of those companies you need to understand that this is going yeah. to iterate and iterate and iterate it is not just kind of add money add people and sell no. the hell out of it <laughs> and yeah that that's a hard lesson that's a hard lesson to learn and I am so glad that you have been able to learn that and get there and you're still nailing it as CEO whereas I'm practicing to like super nail it next time with all of the wisdom that I've learned on the way you'll totally super nail it next time how well will I nail it next time (laughs) with all of this wisdom yeah exactly but that is it you are you are doing 
like if anybody's going to be able to shortcut it you are going to be able to shortcut it after especially now you've given me all the clues well indeed indeed yes (laughs) i shall i shall credit you thoroughly when i'm winning my next you know whatever in the oscar inspiring something (laughs) so thank you leah you've been listening to vicky brock and leah hutchin this week's entrepreneur agony aunts as ever you can submit your question at vickybrock.com slash podcast